Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. to the Big Red Bench and Cork's Red FM with me, Valerie Wheeler. I'm with you until 7 o'clock tonight. I'm back after all my gallivanting around the league action over the last few weeks. We have a lovely show tonight. Just after Christmas, I had a chat with Tracy Kennedy and you will finally get to hear that chat in full tonight. Roisin Upton also joined us. I mean, it's the countdown to the Olympics. Tokyo is on the horizon and the Europeans are next week. Stuart Ashen caught up with Colin O'Sullivan. He also spoke to Colin Healy after Cork City's defeat. And we'll hear from Cork County Cricket Club, Pat Donnelly, as they have something special on tomorrow morning. So we've all that and more to look ahead to the Big Red Bench tonight. So do stay with me until 7 on Cork's Red FM. Welcome to the Big Red Bench and Cork's Red FM with me, Valerie. You're with me until 7 o'clock tonight. Let's take a look at some of the sport action across the country today. And of course, the Man City captain for... Fernandinho says it's important they all remain relaxed as possible going into their first ever Champions League final. Pep Guardiola's side take on Chelsea in Porto this evening. Fernandinho says his message to the players will be a simple one. Try to do the same thing you have done so far this season. Don't change nothing. Try to keep your principles, your basics. Try to play simple football. And uh, I think that's the best way, you know, to prepare the final, to handle the pressure. Yeah, that is happening at 8pm tonight Man City and Chelsea. Brentford have beaten Swansea 2-0 in the EFL Championship playoff final to gain promotion to the Premier League. William Esler was at Wembley Stadium. Brentford are into the Premier League for the first time in their history. First half goals from Tony and Emiliano, the difference at Wembley as they beat Swansea 2-0. It finally ends a nightmare record in the playoffs for Brentford. This is their 10th time in them and the first time they've won it. Swansea were awful in the first half but looked much better in the second period after after a tactical tweak. However, the sending off of Jay Fulton ended their hopes of getting back into it. Full time at Wembley, Brentford 2, Swansea 0. Thanks, William. All right, so in the Gaelic Games, Offaly have top division three south of the Alliance Football League. John Mohanside defeated Munster champions Tipperary 117 to 112 in Tullamore. Another disappointing day for Tipperary. Um, Offaly will face Fermanagh in the promotion semi finals. And they secured a draw, a draw against Longford. And the other promotion playoff will be Limerick against North. Section table toppers Derry. Derry overcame Cavan by 116 to 211, while Limerick were 219 to 112 winners at Wicklow. I actually watched that Limerick game. It was really good. Um, a good game. A good game to watch. Um, so if Carlo avoid uh, defeat against Wexford, they'll advance to Division 4 promotion semi-finals, and they have just thrown in a network at Colin Park. I'll get an update for you there. Also, fans will be in attendance for this evening matches in Division 1 in the North. Uh, Armagh welcome Donegal to the Athletic Grounds at Healy Park, staging the meeting of Tyrone and Monaghan. So all four teams can still reach the semis in both games thrown at half past seven. I mean, how exciting will it be for fans being back in the stadium tonight? It's well needed because the games are not the same. Uh, Dublin manager Mick Bowen has often start Jennifer Dunn ahead of captain Sinead Ahern for the trip to Cork in Division 1 of the Little Ladies Football League this evening. The game is at Parky Cueve. Uh, so keep an eye on our Twitter. It's a repeat of last year's All-Ireland final where Dublin came to fourth successive title. Throw-in on Leeside is at half seven. Donegal and Mayo meet at Ballybofi and that is on the underway since six o'clock. 
and they're aiming to make it two wins on a spin and you can check out our Women in Sport podcast for plenty of pre-match chat all thanks to Ger McCarthy looking at the Camogie the ladies did well today in Division 1 of the Littlewood in Ireland National Camogie Leagues Cork beat Waterford 3-15 to 1-13 in Walsh Park while All-Ireland champions Kilkenny hammered I mean hammered awfully 4-21 to 8 points in Burr not really a good day for Offaly. All right. Now, after Christmas, I chatted to Tracy Kennedy, former Cork County board chair. And I mean, I really love this chat. I've been teasing it over the last few weeks and months, but I finally have a chance to get you to hear it all in one go. So here is me chatting to Tracy Kennedy. Joining me on the big red bench this week is former county board chair is Tracy Kennedy. Tracy, welcome to the big red bench. Hi, Valerie. Delighted to be on as usual. Tracy, I know a crazy time of year, a year a year like no other last year, but we are hoping to get maybe a better start this year. But for you yourself, how was, first of all, how was your Christmas and New Year? I had a lovely, quiet Christmas, uh, I must say. I think it was the quietest one in years. My sister and her family who live abroad were obviously not able to come home to us. So we had a, a very quiet Christmas day. Um, and even, you know, the aftermath then was far more peaceful than it would normally be because obviously you could do, you couldn't go visiting. There was nothing happening, anything like that. So I really think there I had about a week from about Stephen's Day on where I think I relaxed for the first time in about 10 years. So it was great. I can't complain. Good. And speaking of relaxing for the first time in about 10 years, it must have been probably nice and maybe not so nice ending your term as a chair this year in such strange times. Yeah, I suppose from my point of view, it was disappointing on a personal level, you know, along with so many other reasons for the the COVID thing being a disappointment. It was a disappointment for me to have my final year, you know, so impacted by COVID because certainly that that restricted so many things that, that we would have liked to do and so on. And, you know, what we did eventually get our championships played and things like that we didn't get them finished so it was a really strange way to end my term because I had a full-on year planned as always and obviously that was totally wiped out but on the other hand in some ways it was a good preparation for finishing because you know I learned to live life without being on the road 24-7 so it was good preparation for finishing the role but certainly it did restrict some of the things we would have liked to do last year. I know, but you have achieved so lot, so much in your term being county chair, to be fair, Tracy. I mean, have you maybe a fond memory? What would you be your highlight that would stick out for you over through the years? Well, in terms of what we achieved, I think the the remodeling of the county championships, the overall of the county championships is one of the things that I think will have, you know, the most lasting impact in that that was something that, you know, we've been talking about for years, trying to make our championships more competitive and making them smaller. We feel that by our county championships, we're more competitive, that this will lift standards across all levels. Um, and you know, it was a big decision for our clubs to take on the group format. We had, you know, talked about it over the years, but it was something that was tried in a slightly different way back years ago now in the past. It didn't work very well then. So there was a reluctance to try it again. And, you know, we had tried various adaptations of knockout formats and so on, and none of them was really doing what we wanted. So I think clubs took a really brave decision, but the, probably the, the best part of that whole process was the discussion that was held. You know, when our work group brought out these three proposals, 
there was real genuine debate, discussion, engagement at club level with the proposals. And that to me was really rewarding. I really enjoyed those few weeks. It was really energizing, you know, to hear all the discussions and so on. And then the clubs did take that big decision. And then we worried that we might not actually be able to run that format after all that <laughs> because we didn't know what kind of a window we'd have and we didn't know if we could squeeze it in and so on. And there was another tough decision there. There were a few long um, CCC meetings and a lot of soul searching as we tried to see would it be worth the risk of, you know, in the circumstances of trying to, to run that format. And we made a few little tweaks to it that just made it a little bit easier to run. But it did run and it ran really, really successfully. And I think we can all see that. And I know we didn't get some of the finals played yet, but they will be played. But I think we did see the benefit of the format. Our championships were so competitive um, and even the final that were played were so competitive I think it's bound to have a lasting impact so that was particularly good um, in terms of other I suppose enjoyable moments would have been mm-hmm. I, I think two of the real high points were um, last uh, the year before last when we won the minor and under 20 All-Ireland finals those are absolutely brilliant days and occasions and I think in both cases the manner of the victories you know was so dramatic the under 21s coming back or the under 20s coming back from a terrible terrible start to win so well in the end and then the minors going all the way to extra time and winning in Crow Park you know those were brilliant brilliant occasions um, I also had some other I suppose maybe lower key things that were really good for me I, I made a trip to Beira um, over a weekend and visited the six clubs down there you know and it's a very remote part of the county and sometimes the clubs there feel very far removed from the rest of us and in some ways they are I mean Castellan Beira is two hours from my front door um, so that was a really great experience to visit those clubs and, and to hear about their challenges and to meet so many of the wonderful people who are working so hard to keep the J going in difficult circumstances. And, you know, then other things like visits to clubs for various things, official openings, you know, I always get a thrill. There, there are three clubs that, that uh, have my name on plaques and things that where I did official openings and so on um, during my term. And that's that's really nice to know that your your legacy is there, you know, um, White Church, Jay Rogue and St. Vincent's. No, not forgetting anyone else but thanks to those three clubs for that honour so lots of little things um, obviously lots of downs as well but there were some, some good moments too no and it's, it's great to see and it's as you said it's great to have your little name left on something behind you know that you did achieve while you were there but you mentioned there was some low points and maybe what for you Tracy would have been a low point <laughs> the downs and downs of my term <laughs> how, long, how long have we got <laughs> Uh, yeah, I suppose at the time they all seem much worse mm. than than when you reflect on them. Like I, I had some particularly challenging times, you know, when I think, say, of the dispute around the costs of Parky Keeve, that was a very difficult one for me to deal with because, you know, some of the areas around the stadium, the finances and so on, those would be things that wouldn't be in my area of expertise, you know, now I've learned a lot more about them since, but weren't at the time. And for that reason, I did, I, I have found the challenges around the stadium quite difficult. But then we were lucky to have had the support of some brilliant people, you know, and I, I think particularly of people like Michael O'Flynn, who has made a phenomenal contribution around the stadium, and John Mullins um, also, and John Horan and the, the Crow Park representatives on the stadium board. So, you know, they, they stepped up to the plate and helped me and supported me through that, and, and for that I'm eternally grateful. The failure of the pitch would definitely have been the lowest moment for me, you know, when I think back on it, and I can still feel the physical sickness I felt in my stomach as I sat there watching 
facades lift you know I just couldn't believe that was happening and I think it was particularly difficult because of the fact that the pitch is so central to everything we do you know as a sporting organization everything revolves around our games and our stadium is absolutely beautiful it's unbelievable it's immense and it will be a brilliant asset to Cork for many many years and in time to come people have forgotten all about the current issues it'll still be there but getting the pitch right was absolutely critical because without that it's worth nothing now again there was positives came out of that in that the stadium board did take you know correct advice and brought in the professionals and we were brilliant pitch laid and you know again we were lucky to have voluntary support from people like John Murphy of Goldcrop who'd be very experienced uh, in, in the area of grass growth and pitches and, and people like that who were willing to lend their expertise so we now have an absolutely top class world class I think pitch mm. you know and we, I think we could really see that um, this past winter when we saw inter-county games play there in the absolute worst of conditions and there's a great pride then around that and I must say it was nice like because people are very quick to criticise but people were also quick to praise on, on that occasion and you know it was great to hear the, the commentators on, on national radio and television praising the quality of the pitch but it was nice also to get messages from people complimenting us on it you know so while that was a really negative difficult moment a great positive has come out of it and we now have a whole stadium that we can be very proud of no exactly as you said it's nice to turn around and end on a positive note but you mentioned the criticism of the pitch maybe in some things that would have gone on through the years but how did you deal with that personally Tracy I mean it it can be very very hard I know like social media can be so toxic I've been at the end of a horrible stick of it myself at the best of times so you yourself dealing with that as a county chair I mean how did you ignore it did you were you able to block it out I found it very, very difficult and there is no point saying otherwise. I tend to take criticism personally and to feel, no, it may, I think maybe sometimes as women we maybe take it a bit more to heart from that point of view. Not me personally, but the fact that I felt responsible for all of this and I you know when I was criticized about these things I would feel well yes you know some of that criticism is just what I should be doing more about this um, and I would have felt a great personal responsibility and personal disappointment and I suppose a fear maybe that I had let down all those people in clubs who voted for me and who supported me and who put me in this position so I would have had some very difficult days um, and weeks but thankfully I suppose I'm also a reasonably resilient person mm. um, and you know it's just my personality again so I would say that I've always been able to draw the line, you know, so while I might find something very difficult and very stressful, I try not to let it impact on me too much and that has worked for me. But I have had to take decisions like, you know, not reading the papers the day after something awful happens or maybe not for a few days, mm. um, not ignoring social media. Like I, I generally keep off social media after any cork loss or anything like that. Um and, you know, mute and block, I often say, are great buttons. And, like, I feel that as a volunteer in the GA, I do not have to listen to everybody's, you know, complaints. I, I don't have to take complaints from our clubs and our club members because they're the people to whom I would have been accountable. 
Um, I take whatever is, is, is thrown at me by Cork County Board because they are, that is the body to which I am accountable. But, you know, to random anonymous people, you know, being crit- critical um, on social media, I have learned not to let that get to me, I must say. But I've been, I, I am very lucky. I have amazing friends who, you know, are willing to lend an ear if necessary or provide a distraction <laughs> if necessary. You know, I mean, some of my closest friends, I would never really discuss those things with, but just by their presence in my life, you know, that gets my mind off some of the difficulties. So I suppose these are all of the ways that we cope. And the other side of it is, you know, I have a day job, a busy day job, and I can never let, you know, I can try never to let, I can't say it has never happened, but I try never to let, you know, whatever is going on the GA, um, I suppose, get in the way of that. And it's often a great distraction too. I have to say I was very lucky when I was deputy principal in Carrigaline in Community School. I'm now principal in Carrigaline Community College in Cove. But when I was deputy in Carrigaline, that was when some of the most difficult things happened. And my boss there, Paul Burke, principal, was incredibly supportive, as were my other deputy principals, Sinead Tarrant, uh, Pat Looney and Lorraine Collins. And again, without their support, because they did understand that there were one or two days where what was happening was just so big that, you know, my mind wasn't maybe fully at work. And I was very lucky to have that support. Without it, I would have found it very difficult to manage the day job along with the GA role. Yeah, I think a lot of people forget that you also have a day job, Tracy, that is principal of a school. I mean, you've so many other people to look after in Cork, not just the the players and the members. And we'll talk about your job in just a little bit. But back to being chair of the county board, I mean, you were the first female and, you know... it's it's great to see Tracy. I mean, for someone in GA and for the love of GA, for me to see a woman in there, it's just amazing. And we don't see many of them there. For you, it must be just you know, it must be such a proud feeling for you and your family to know that you were the first in there. It is now. I think maybe I was naive about it at the beginning. I suppose when I came in as PRO, I was maybe inclined to play it down a little bit. You know, um, I'm just a person in the GA. You know, but. I began to realize, I began to become more aware, having been very lucky myself, never to have run into any barriers, right back to my club, where my club had a female secretary in the 1980s, I think was probably the first, Mary given here was probably the first female uh, secretary of any club in, in Cork. So like there was huge openness here in my club. I'm also from a family of girls. There's only myself and my sister and, you know, I'm a farmer's daughter and I had to go out and do the farming and, and all that. <laughs> So I never had, you know, I was, I personally never ran into any barriers. So maybe I took that a bit for granted. But as I progressed and spoke to and heard the views of a, of a lot of other women along the, the way, I began to realize that actually it is very important that a woman has got to be chairperson of Cork GA, uh, has been PRO, which is a big um, officer role. Now, I must say, when I came in as PRO, four of the six monster PROs were women at that time. So again, you know, a great support network there. And, and I, I'd be friendly with some of them right up to this day. Emer Barry in Waterford, who have recently finished up as development officer in Waterford and was PRO then, is still a great friend of mine. And I received great support from the others as well. So I began to realize, though, that there was a significance in it. And so by the time I became chairperson, yes, it was a very big thing and a very proud thing for me. But I still do feel, and I said it in my speech the year I was elected, that there is no point in being the first if you're the only. And 
that is what I do not want. I do not want when somebody in 50 years' time looks down at the list and they go, oh, yeah, I remember that one. There was a female there one time, <laughs> you know. Um, I, I don't want that to be the case. I want there to be more. And I am, you know, one of my big disappointments, I suppose, as I leave office is that there aren't um, any female officers around the county board table at the moment. Um, I hope that's something that will be rectified over the, the next few years. There are some brilliant women operating at club level and there are some operating at divisional level as well. Um, some of these women that I have met in my, tar my time will be far more capable than I am. Um, and we'll be far better chairpersons. So I sincerely hope that we will see some of those women stepping into roles, maybe not the chair, you know, not everybody wants to do that. Um, but there are other roles, and I, and I would seriously hope that we'll see more of them because I think it is really important. And, you know, it's important in all aspects of sport, and it's great to see people like you too, Valerie. You know, I love to see female journalists and reporters, and, you know, I've had some great interactions with many of them over the years, and it's been great to, to have them as well because I think it is, so important that women are seen um, and taken seriously at all levels of sport whether that's admin whether it's playing whether it's reporting on games whatever the the case may be it is really important because look we're 50 percent of society and i know people say the ga is you know like certainly i would have been dealing with the, the male sports um, in hurling and football and i certainly also hope that someday we'll all be one body but the reality is probably half our supporters are female you know, whatever you so it might be that our players are male, but our supporters are female, we have administrators who are female, you know, there's a big female population that is part of the GA community and it's vital that they're seen to be represented. Yeah, you did mention in your final address the gender balance issue that maybe was left behind. And why do you think it is, Tracy? Why do you think that women don't or maybe don't put themselves forward for these positions? I suppose it's the same as, as the reasons or there's similar reasons for why women are underrepresented in all levels of our society. Um, I was encouraged to read something there recently um, showing that the membership of company boards in Ireland has increased. I think it's 29% female now of company directors, which is a big improvement, but still a long ways to go. And, you know, look, I'm no expert in, the reasons I can see, I presume, are constraints on people's time. Like, I don't have kids, and I think that has freed me up in a way that anyone who has children is going to find it much harder to, to get that balance. Because the reality is, women are still the primary caregivers. Um, not in every family, obviously, but, but overall. So I presume that is part of it. So the family commitments issue is part of it. I think also studies have shown that women are slower to put themselves forward. And when I reflect on my own journey, I certainly wouldn't have got where I did if I hadn't been asked to take things on. Going right back to my first role in the club as a juvenile secretary, the outgoing chair and secretary came to me and asked me. They were looking to replace themselves, basically. And of course, they wouldn't be allowed to go until they had a replacement for themselves. And like came and asked me. And I was like, God, I don't know, could I do that? Because that's often our first reaction. Well, I couldn't do that. But because, you know, they, Dami Foti and Liam Foley are the people who are responsible for all of this because they persuaded me. They said, it won't be that bad, you'll manage it or whatever, and we'll help you. And they did. And that pattern continued, you know. I mean, probably the, the role, you know, it was only when I got to vice chair and chair that I was actually saying, okay, I want these roles myself. Up until then, I had been encouraged and it had been suggested and offered and so on. Um, so I think 
it's hard for us maybe to put ourselves forward. That's something as women we can look at ourselves and try to be more proactive in that um, area ourselves. But also it's important that, you know, the men out there listening, think about encouraging women to take on roles when there is a role. Don't think of all the men. Make sure you add a few women to that list. And, you know, when you are considering people for roles and any roles, you know, um, in your club, or in whatever organization you're part of, put some women on the list, you know, and, and give them a chance and do think about asking them. And they might need to be persuaded a little bit more, but it will be worth it in the end because, again, studies related to business show that where there is greater gender balance in organizations, those organizations are more successful. So we've nothing to lose. Good. And I think that with you having been the position, I would definitely, and even anyone listening, it might encourage them to put themselves forward. Because as you said, if you sit there and wait to be asked, it might never happen, Tracy. But you did mention that maybe if the camogie and ladies football were all under the one umbrella, would that make things easier? Would that be more encouraging for us to put ourselves forward for these positions? It would, I think, but what I would worry is that we would then have a kind of a situation where we'd have silos. So we'll say we'd have all the men over here running the men's hurling and football, and we'd have all the women over here running the camogie and ladies' football. And that's not how I think it should be operating. I think, you know, we need to have a fully integrated body um, and where there is an overall governing body that is gender balanced. And I think that is critical if we are to, to bring that forward. You know, I, I just think we, we need to be careful that what we don't end up with is maybe, yes, one overall organisation, but gender segregation within it, because that's not going to work either. And the other thing we have to look at is our, our diversity beyond gender. I mean, the reality is that we are still um, a very homogenous organisation. We don't see other ethnic minorities represented in our clubs very much as yet, and certainly not an administrative level. We may have paid people as players, but if we want to be a truly community organisation, we need to look at how we can encourage our entire communities to be part of our organisations. Yeah, no, you're totally true and honest when you say that, Tracy. And is there anything maybe that you would have loved to have done, you would love to have introduced, or is there anything that you should that you felt like, God, I wish I did that before I left? Yeah, I'd love to have done more in terms of a pathway for women. And it actually was something we had planned for year three or something. I had planned for year three. I had surveyed the clubs um, to get a rough idea of the number of female officers involved. It was over 100, you know, it was over 100 officers, female officers involved in our clubs. And we, I had planned to, to bring them into Parkakee for a day at the end of April. We had our days and everything booked. <laughs> um, and, you know, to have a few speakers and maybe to look at ways just to get that group together to try and put together ways that we could encourage and enable more women to, to get involved. But COVID put pay to that, unfortunately. And it is a regret I have. I would like to have done more um, to help those women to, or to help women in general, maybe to, to just to find a pathway to have more women involved. So that is one of my regrets, one of the things that I would love to have done and didn't get done. Well, you did so much, so you can be proud of what you did do while you were there. I'd hate for you to have loads of regrets, but I don't think you do. But Tracy, I think that, you know, outside of being part of the GA, I mean, you're a school principal and this week alone, I can't imagine what emotions you went through this week. The schools are safe, they're open, they're closed, the leaving certs are in, they're not in. I mean, it's been a roller coaster of a week for you as a principal, Tracy. 
Well, it's been a roller coaster of, of about <laughs> 10 months now at this stage. I, I got my job as principal in Cardinal Community College in November of uh, 20, I don't even know what year, 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I joked at a meeting one day, I was only in the school four months and we were closed, you know, so I, I was really only finding my, you know, I won't even say finding my feet, like, you know, because I was, I hadn't even got that far when COVID hit us. Um, and I was being very lucky. I have a wonderful staff. I have an amazing deputy principal in Catherine Fitzgerald and, and a wonderful staff um, of the school. But I suppose COVID just took over. Um, from from that, I still remember sitting in my office hearing that the schools were going to be closed. And, you know, we just didn't really know what we were doing at that stage. And that really had to, to be my total priority from then on. And really, it was a question of fitting in the GA stuff after that because we were, you know, I in the role I'm in now, I owe so much to the parents, to the students, to my staff. I have a lot of responsibilities to those people and they have to be my primary responsibility and I'm absolutely committed to that. So, yeah, COVID basically took over and even in the summer, you know, we were preparing for reopening. That that was pretty much everything we got open in in August, September. You know, everything has just been really difficult all that time. It's been incredibly stress or incredibly stressful time for everyone involved. No, I I know education isn't the only area. I mean, yeah. it's, it's stressful everybody but it's my area and yes it's like teachers are so stressed and doing such a brilliant job in difficult circumstances children have been absolutely amazing our parents have been fantastic and then we've another curveball thrown at us now you know we're closed again now obviously we're in a far better situation and I would like to to reassure any parents out there every school is in a better situation now than it was last March we we have plans we have prepared a lot of schools have practiced you know it won't be ideal the best thing is for our children to be in school. But, you know, we are much better prepared than we were. But it is going to be, again, a very, very challenging time for everyone. And, you know, particularly those parents who are now going to have to struggle to try and manage their children's online learning and so on. And one thing I say to my own parents, said to them the last time, I'm going to be saying, them, saying it to them again, all you can do is your best. You know, it is not going to be the same as your child being in school. And everybody understands that. Your child's teachers understand that. We can all only do our best. And families have lots of different pressures as well at the moment. People who are losing jobs, and uncertainty and so on. So all I would say is, is just do your best. That's all you can do. And no one expects any more than that. And, and hopefully, hopefully it won't be too long before this awful thing leaves us and we can return to some level of normality. Exactly. And hopefully is right and roll on the vaccine. I think think a lot of people are thinking that at the moment. But Tracy, you're a principal and you're a county uh, chair. But who is Tracy Kennedy? When we remove all of that, what is Tracy Kennedy going to do with her time now? I know you're going to have plenty more time to relax and take a deep breath and think about your time. But what what is the plan for you now? I actually am not sure what's left really (laughs) underneath all that. (laughs) No, I... Been, I've been um, either a club officer, a divisional officer, or a county board officer for the best part of the last 20 years um, with, with all the responsibilities that brings. And, you know, here's an opportunity now to have a, some kind of a life back. I mean, when you think about particularly for the last nine years, which are very intense, my entire life schedule away from work would have been dictated by the day, you know, meetings, matches, and then trying to fit in my friends and my family in the middle of all of that. And, you know, 
the odd bit of downtime, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I'm not really sure now what it's going to look like for the immediate future because COVID has upscuttled any plans that I have. But, you know, in the last few years, I suppose we've had additions to our family. I have a beautiful nephew, um, Hugo, who I absolutely dote on. He's nearly two. And his little sister, Charlotte, was born in October. I have yet to meet her. They live abroad, but, you know, they would be home quite a lot and I would have always enjoyed, you know, over the last nearly two years now spending time with Hugo when he was here. You know, it, these are things I want to be the priorities in my life, my family, my friends. Um, I love cinema. I love reading. I love walking and hiking and hoping now to have a bit more time for all of those things. Um, my beautiful godchild, Orla, and her big brother, Seamus, again, who are really important people in, in my life and their mammy and all my other friends who have, you know, put up with me. I joke, um, Valerie, that the only reason I have any friends left is because they all like the GA hoping for All-Ireland tickets. So, you know, um, and actually a friend, my, one of my very best friends, uh, who we managed to meet up there before Christmas and she said to me, my husband wants to know, will we still get All-Ireland tickets? And I said, that just confirms it now. I said, the only reason that you're me is, is for the All-Ireland tickets. I'm lucky to have any friends left. Um, but yeah, and I would like, there are a few things I'd like to do in life. I'd like to do a little bit more study. Um, I'd like to do a little bit more travel whenever we can get back to some level of normality. But I actually really don't know. I have no great plans for the immediate future, um, except maybe to do a whole lot of nothing for a while and see how that feels. <laughs> well, I think you deserve and need to enjoy that downtime. And it's funny that you say that, you know, you've no friends left. And sometimes I feel like because we're involved in the GA that it's very hard for your friends to understand that it takes up so much of your time. You know, you, I'd say, I've missed christenings and weddings and everything. And sometimes I feel like, just like you, Tracy, I wonder will they ever get sick of me and be like, we're never again being your friend because you're never there. And you, like, you just confirmed it there. You felt the same. Absolutely. You know, and now I've, I've tried, I, you know, to always make sure I was around for the big things, but maybe not all the time. So like when I look back and I know my, my Hugo, my nephew Hugo's christening last year um, happened to be the same day as the car footballers played the last of the Super 8 games. And I just didn't feel I could miss it. So I was at the christening in the morning in the church. Um, and then I took off the car to the match and I came back later. But luckily, you know, all those people know me and, you know, I hope understood. And I did babysit him for the whole night so that my sister and her husband could relax so I felt that kind of balanced it out but again I remember like my friend's son's birthday I you know was the same day as a match so I was at the birthday in the morning <laughs> I talked to the match after and it's terrible you know I wonder will I have put up with that much from from my friends but you know they, they have been amazing but yeah it does it has a big impact on your life like I, I do remember when my sister got engaged <laughs> Um, I hope, no, she won't be listening to this, I hope. But anyway, she, you know, they, they got engaged one Christmas and I was like, oh God, I hope it's not going to be in the middle of the summer because she wouldn't be a huge fan herself, now her husband is. So I kind of said, that that's my saving there. But anyway, <laughs> they were like, oh, happy New Year's Eve. And I was like, oh yeah, 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 brilliant. New Year's Eve is brilliant. Let's go with that. <laughs> and luckily they did. So I was able to give that my full attention at least. But you know, <laughs> those are just the ways, I suppose. I mean, I stopped going away on holidays um, with my friends because you know, sometimes there would be a match on it and I would be just cribbing and upset and annoyed <laughs> and the match. And she might as well just have stayed at home then, you know. So yeah. <laughs> Thankfully most of them have stayed and put up with me, so at least that's something. That's great. I look forward to my friends sticking with me. So Tracy, if they stuck with you for that. <laughs> sure, sure, sure.
It's stuck with you for that long. But Tracy, honestly, like you've been so great to us in Red FM with your time down through the years as well. Thank you so much for always being there on the other side of the phone for picking it up as much as you don't want to face the music. Sometimes you're, you know, you're a joy to deal with. And thank you for always spending time with us in Red FM. Well, thanks, Valerie. And Red FM have been brilliant supporters of Cartier over the years as well, you know, so I have always been delighted um, to, to have any interactions with you. And I wish you all the very best going forward. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 Corks Red FM. Welcome back to The Big Red Bench on Corks Red FM with me, Valerie. Now, Ger McCarthy caught up with Cork County Cricket Club youth manager Pat Donnelly to tell us all about something that is happening tomorrow. Let's take a listen. Something different going ahead this weekend uh, is with the Cork County Cricket Club who are holding a Give It A Bash For Girls session for 7 to 16-year-olds. It's going ahead in the Mardike on Sunday from 11.45am. And I'm joined now by Pat Donnelly of the Cork County Cricket Club. He's in, ha- in charge of the youth section there. Pat, can you just give us an outline of what exactly Give It A Bash For Girls is and what's going to happen on Sunday? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having us on. So, Give It A Bash does exactly what it says on the tin. It's a chance to come down, hold a cricket bat, a cricket bat and, and give it a bash. Um, so, the weather looks good. It's cricket weather. And we're trying to get as many girls in particular this weekend down to the club to try cricket out with their friends, have a bit of fun and see if they enjoy cricket. Um, currently, I mean, it's an approximation, but how many girls do you, are involved with Cork County Cricket Club? So at the moment we have about 12 to 14 girls who play cricket and but we're looking to grow that and in particular we're looking to uh, set up a, a, a girls team to play here locally in Munster and against teams in Dublin as well. Um, obviously with the success of the Irish women's cricket team and the men's cricket team in recent years I would imagine and especially with the facilities that you have that this is a sport with a lot of room to grow but it's on the rise. It is on the rise. Um, we were very fortunate. Um, we, we've been running cricket sessions for a while and we had Isabel Joyce, the, the former Ireland cricket captain, uh, down to the club to run a couple of training sessions and she's promised to come down again to do more. So we've got lots of coaches. We have the facilities. Um, it looks like we're going to get the weather, Ger, so okay. all we need now are girls to turn up and give it a go. Yeah, and I, I assume this is open to anyone. You don't have to have any previous cricket experience. You just have to be aged between 7 and 16 between 7 and 16 and prepared to come and run around and have a laugh um, Your own club as well Pat I mean obviously we're coming into the summer season have you other um, initiatives have you other things that are going to be happening uh, very shortly with Cork County Cricket Club We do um, so we have uh, we have about 80 youth members at the moment who train at the, young, the younger players train on Friday night the older ones on Wednesday and we have leagues starting this weekend as well uh, in the club and then we have Monster League starting soon too um, our adult teams for them um, their season starts um, the weekend of the bank holiday so they have a full programme of matches and there will be cricket in the Mardike again this summer now, there's quite a lot of sports to take both adults and children's attentions throughout the summer months. And obviously, after the lockdowns, you're no different. Everyone is chomping at the bit to get back and get back out onto their various sports fields. But for people that may not have been to a cricket match or seen a cricket match or anyone that hasn't actually thought about trying it, why would you encourage it? What is it about the sport that um, makes it worthwhile for both adults and children? Yeah, good question. 
question, Jared. So a lot of people think that cricket is boring, and sometimes the long version of the game that adults play can be. But we have a, a version now called T20, and it's full of excitement, and it's all about going out there to hit the ball really hard and try and score runs. And you've got 11 people out there who are doing their very best to make sure you can't do that. So it's it's you against 11 people. It's lots of fun. It's lots of excitement. Um, and, and people really, really enjoy it and get into it very quickly. Well, you're selling it to me already. It sounds like a lot of fun. So for anyone listening, remember the Give It A Bash for Girls um, session takes place at the Mardike tomorrow, Sunday the 30th of May at 11.45am. It's open to any girls aged 7 to 16, being hosted by Cork County Cricket Club and no experience is necessary. The countdown to the Olympics is on, of course. This week, Irish women's hockey player Roisin Upton. She'll join us as she was on hand at the launch of Circle K's Two Team Ireland initiative. If you haven't seen it online, you can go have a look. It's giving the Irish public a chance to show off their creativity by drawing or writing a picture or message on a postcard in support of Team Ireland. You can pick up your postcards from a local Circle K and you can win some prizes. And also, this is the nicest part, all right? that the postcards will be sent out to the village in Tokyo for our athletes to have a look at them. So here is me chatting to Roisin Upton during the week. Joining me on the big red bench this week is Team Ireland athlete and hockey player Roisin Upton. Roisin, welcome to the show. Hi Valerie, thanks for having me. First of all, how have you been keeping? How are you getting on in life during all the madness? Sure, it's been a mad year, but it's all ramping up now, getting really excited for the summer to come. I was just going to say, you have a hectic summer ahead and how have you been finding life at the moment trying to maybe fit everything in? Uh, yeah, I suppose we've been really lucky for the last year that we've been classified as elite and have been allowed to do what we love to do um, during this pandemic. Uh, it's really busy. We've been up and down to Dublin training two or three days a week um, and I suppose the priority for the last couple of months has just been getting as many test games as we can in the in the lead up to the European Games and the Olympics. Um, so we're leaving for, for Amsterdam in two weeks. Um, so yeah, just buzzing for that. Hockey seems to be keeping you sane. And for me, um, I follow you on Instagram and I see how much fun you're having and especially those road trips you're having with Naomi on the way up to training. Absolutely. God, it, it makes it so much better having someone in the car with you. Um, in the Before Christmas from September to December, we were traveling on our own, um, I suppose, just taking every precaution that we needed to at that time. So thank God, since January, we've been able to travel together and sure, we get some crack. We have the same route every time, obviously, on the motorway up to Dublin, stopping in Circle K for a cup of tea and on our way again. Good, good. I know that a lot of people maybe might even have a look at you and you and the team as well but you seem to have such a good bond that a lot of people might be jealous of because you seem to get on very well sure we spend so much time together you'd hope at this stage now um that we know each other inside out um but we, we do we get so much crack like we know how lucky we've been this past year to be able to play um you know people are crying out to get back to sport to get back to their own sense of normality and um whatever it is they do so yeah we just try to make the most of our time together um on and off the pitch we're, we're serious and we're on it but yeah I'm sure it's nothing but crack off it How has training been for you at the moment? It's probably the same as every year used to being back in the routine now it's no, nothing new to you Yeah so we've been taken away all year um, if anything it's just got kind of busier in the last couple of weeks um, as I said with test games we played Scotland there recently GB before that um, and we have a couple of friendly games once we get over to Amsterdam before the Europeans so 
yeah, it's just managing the body now and taking over all the hard work, all the training, all the physical aspects are done. Um, it's just nailing down some of the tactical stuff um, in the lead up to the summer. Playing the likes of the GB, I mean, probably games like that are invaluable to you before you head off to the Europeans and Tokyo. Absolutely. You want to play the best and, you know, they're reigning Olympic champions. And I know in one sense that was four years ago, but they've consistently been ranked in the top four or five now for the last decade, I'd say. So you want to be playing against the best scene where you where you compare um, yourselves. And it's been a strange year in COVID because you don't know what other countries are doing. You know, down in Australia, they haven't been able to leave. So they haven't been able to play anyone until recently. So in, in that sense, we might have had a bit of an upper hand having played games since January. Um, so it's yeah it's just it's hard to know where everyone else is at and you're trying not to overthink it so when we got to play GB and it was our first win ever against them in that three game series so it was we took a lot of confidence from that and for that three game series as well a lot of it was streamed and shown on RT and stuff and for them to be picking up and be supportive is great to see because I think ever since your big win there's just a lot of eyes on you and I think the support is really important yeah, it's been brilliant. I think, uh, you know, you said it the last two years all over Ireland, people are just, you know, in our corner supporting us. And I think, I suppose the rise in female sports in general across the media has been fantastic because people don't want to just see, you know, the Olympic Games in the summer. They want to know about your preparation. They want to know what's happening day in, day out um, for everyone. And I think we've seen it now and we're getting to see more of it. Um, the likes of Rachel Blackmore, real legends in Irish sport, and we're getting to hear those big names. And I suppose the last couple of years, it has changed. Um, a long way to go, but we're getting there. Yeah, I know. And I think there's plenty of role models like yourself. And as you mentioned, Rachel Blackmore and everyone we're seeing, because when I was younger, when you were younger, there was never any woman that I could have looked up to and said, oh my God, she would have been my role model. Whereas now there's just so many of you. Yeah, it's class. I think, you know, just to see the different, as you said, the different opportunities that are out there. You know, I'd if I was younger now, looking at Crow Park, watching the All-Ireland final, seeing up to 60,000 people watching you, like that would have been an absolute dream for me, playing GA as a kid and getting to see, you know, a first team, as you said, we're traveling over to the Olympics, first female team, you know, maybe I could go to the Olympics, kids are thinking. So there's just an array of sports um, and there's so many in the limelight from Katie Taylor and boxing to all the athletics girls at the moment. Um, and it's, it's great for boys to be seeing it as well, yep. you know. Before we get excited about Tokyo this summer and get into that chat, you have something first, which is the Europeans in the Netherlands next month. I mean, I, there's so much to be preparing for. And it's like you probably are trying to get excited for the Olympics, but you're like, hold back a minute. We have something first. Yeah, exactly. It's it's an interesting one. We, we never usually have two major championships to prepare for in one summer. So it'll be a double peak, hopefully. But we're, we're trying not to look too far beyond the Euros, to be honest. Um, okay. There's a lot to lose in some ways, you know. You need to stay up and avoid relegation for the next group that will be coming to a European Championships in two years' time. Um, and then also there's a golden ticket of a World Cup qualification on the cards. So you're looking to finish in the top five to secure qualification for the World Cup next summer. So it's a really big week for us um, in Amsterdam. Yeah, what week are you there? Is it the 19th? Uh, it's, I don't even know the dates. I think it's... The 5th of June is the first match, I think. Right, OK, OK. So we'll be keeping a close eye on you then. But I know you said you don't want to look beyond the Euros, but I think it's very hard not to, you know, that there's a Tokyo Olympics happening and you could be heading there and the competition is so fierce. I've spoken to some of your teammates over the last few weeks, Anna, Grace. I mean, there's been so many of them on the show over the last few weeks. And the competition comes up so much because I feel like 
16 is nothing to be going. I know 18 get to go, but a 16 squad out of how many yeah, is nuts. Yeah, it is. It's it's really it's a really small number. Um, as you said, we're used to traveling with 18 and it's, it's just been so competitive. I, I do think we're in a better position now as a squad preparation wise than we would have been if the Olympics happened last year, um, which is great. You know, you want competition to be high, especially going into an Olympics. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always kind of a bittersweet thing, as you said, because we're such a close squad so that when selection gets announced, um, yeah, it can be tough. I mean, you obviously want to be on the plane rushing. There's no point saying anything. Oh, your fingers crossed, Valerie. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, we will have our fingers crossed, but I'm sure you have thought about it. You have thought about being there and representing your country and being in an Olympics. It's, I think you have to get excited about it. There's no point not getting excited about it either. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Jeannie, it's at the back of your head. God, it's been the dream since I picked up a hockey stick. Um, to get the Olympics is the pinnacle. It's where you want to be competing against the best, you know, um, even just being part of something greater than playing hockey for Ireland, going over there as Team Ireland with athletes at the top of all of their sports, it's it's going to be phenomenal. And even though it's not going to be a typical Olympics, um, I suppose for us, we don't know any different. We've never been to an Olympics before. So, yeah, it's it's an exciting summer ahead. And we had news recently that uh, travelling athletes will get the offer of a vaccine before you go, which we're very jealous of, Roisin. It's great to see that you know, they're making, I suppose, positive moves in order for the, the Olympics to go ahead. It's fantastic for us. Yeah, you know, it's it gives you real peace of mind, I suppose, travelling over there. Um, you get COVID and, and you're gone in an instant, you know, and it's just, it's a big un- uncontrollable, I suppose. So to have that peace of mind that you're taking every precaution necessary um, to be able to compete and to be able to be healthy and fit is, is fantastic. And I suppose we're just so grateful that we can get it. We know, you know, they're in short demand in, or big demand. Yeah. How, how are you finding life outside of the hockey at the moment? Do you take a break at all? A <laughs> um, couple of days off now. Uh, it's, it's hard to switch off, of course, you know. Um, it's 24-7 commitment and... Mm-hmm. I'm just buzzing, to be honest. It's been great that the 5K restrictions opened up and you can travel, you know, just getting to the beach, getting for swims, um, getting to see some of my mates that I haven't seen in a couple of months has been so nice. Um, just seeing how everyone is, even though nobody has any bit of news. <laughs> um, but yeah, all the focus is on hockey, to be honest. My, um, my sister-in-law is actually due. Uh, her first baby so can't wait to be an auntie um, in two weeks time. So there's a lot of excitement at home with that as well. Oh, that's very exciting. That's really nice. And look, you've a lot to look forward to this summer. Wish you the best luck. But you are here today just because you are a Circle K here for Ireland Ambassador. And can you tell us all about their new initiative? Yeah, so it's to Team Ireland. So imagine writing a postcard and you write to Team Ireland and that's what it's all about. So unfortunately, fans can't travel over to the Olympics this summer, which was a big blow. My family definitely would have been on the plane, whether I was on the plane or not. They were buzzing for it. Um, so we're really going to miss the support over there. Um, so it's a fantastic. You just drop into Circle K, you can pick up a postcard, go home, write a letter, you know, pick up 30, bring it into your classroom. If you're a teacher, give it to all your nieces and nephews, whatever it may be, and just drop it back into a Circle K store. And I suppose the two big perks are that you yourself can win a couple of different prizes. And for us as athletes, all the postcards will be sent over to the Olympic Village, um, hanging up around all the different, um, the different team rooms. So it'll be great just to see those messages of support from people from Ireland, especially because they can't get out to the games. So I think it's a brilliant initiative. 
Yeah, absolutely amazing. That's really nice. And to have something from home as well is quite special. Well, I hope I'll be chatting to you before you head off again. And fingers crossed that you will be one of them on the plane being a monster woman. <laughs> Thanks a million, Valerie. Thanks, Roisin. Roisin often chatting to me during the week. What a lovely initiative from Circle K. So if you would like to go into your local Circle K and pick up some postcards and write some letters to our athletes before they head out to Tokyo, the best and nicest ones will be sent to Japan with them, of course. And they can have a look them up around the Ireland Athlete Village, which will be so nice because, as they said, there'll be no support there. Now, so Colm O'Sullen um, also got reaction of Cork City manager Colin Healy after last night's 1-0 defeat to Cove Ramblers. Let's take a listen. Colin, disappointing to uh, lose down here in St. Comas Park. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was, as I said. Listen, um, we came down, we started well. We had a lot of opportunities. We couldn't score. Listen, they get the chance to score. Listen, it didn't look like we were going to score after that. So it is, yeah, very disappointing. It is. Frustrating that you had the chances, like a lot of games this season, to, to be ahead in the game before Cove scored. Yeah, we had a lot of chances. We hit the post, hit the post twice, but it comes down to quality. Listen, you got to hit the target. Don't hit the target. Listen, you're not going to get anything. And we got punished, bad defending. And then the last. 10-15 minutes we still didn't look like scoring but listen I said listen Cove deserved the three points it did something you're worried about now the lack of goals yeah, listen it's been like that all season to be honest you know and listen we, we didn't defend the, the cross here and listen going forward it's listen the lads are trying but at the moment they're not putting the ball back in there two week break after tonight now is, is, is the break welcome after a result like this and probably after the season you've had so far do you, do you think you need to re- regroup a bit yeah, probably is yeah to be honest with you probably is yeah so um, listen the lads will be off for a few days and they'll come back in and um, we'll, just, we'll just go again next week most of this team have played in empty stadiums like this there's going to be upwards of nearly a thousand fans at the next game in Turner's Cross um, it's going to be a bit of a different experience for the lads do you think it's going to be a good thing it might spur them on or do you think it'll be it'll be tough for them what I would say is that you're always enjoying playing from the crowds and all that kind of stuff but it, it does it adds a bit of pressure but listen uh, they're professional footballers no? they've got to deal with it so it's, um, it's great that the fans can come back and watch the, and watch the football it's, it's brilliant for for, um, for the length of time that they haven't come in but it's um, it's probably something that we're looking forward to but as players is that yeah you should strive on that um, will you give the lads a bit of time off over the next two weeks, Colin, or will you be training away? No, the lads will be off for a few days. They'll be off for a few days, and then we'll we'll be back in next week, and um, we'll do a bit more stuff. I'm getting forward, to, looking forward to the game against uh, Cabin Tilly. That was Colin Healy, Cork City manager, chatting to Colin O'Sullivan last night after their defeat. Now, let's take a look at some of the news from across the day, some of the Gaelic games uh, results uh, before we let you go. Places in the semi-final of Division 1 of the Alliance National Football League are up for grabs this evening. 500 fans will be in attendance for the matches in Northern Section, which get underway at half seven. Um, as we mentioned earlier on, how exciting will it be to see fans? I cannot wait to watch it. I'll be flat out in the laptop having a look at that. Armagh host Donegal at the Athletic Grounds at Monaghan travelling to Healy Park to face Tyrone. All four teams are still in contention to reach the last four. Carlo and Watford have progressed to the Division 4 semi-final following Carlo's one-point victory over Wexford. Ulster champions Cavan and Munster champions Tipperary both face releva- relegation playoffs in Division 3, which is crazy to think. Offaly set up with Hurd a fly promotion playoff against Fermanagh with a 1-17-1-12 victory over Tip this afternoon. And Limerick will face Derry in the other semi-final. I was watching that game today. It was really good. Do not forget, our ladies are in action in Parky Cueve this evening. It is a repeat of All-Ireland Last year where Dublin claimed a fourth successive title. Throw in is at half seven. Keep an eye on our Twitter page for updates. And the very best luck to the women. It'd be great if they got the win over the Dubs tonight. That is it from me. I'll be back next Saturday night from 6pm. But Rory will be back tomorrow night from 6 on the Big Red Bench. CBG's on the way next. The Big Red Bench. Come on. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm.